Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. Welcome to the Electrify News Podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, America's largest e-mobility festival coming to five major cities in 2022. I'm here with a special guest today, Anthony Cross, the uh, co-founder, CEO of uh, Zeiser Motors. Am I saying that right? Nailed it. Nailed it. Nice. Well, I'm a fan. You know how it is. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's <laughs> it's funny because, I mean, Kaiser and Zeiser, just think of it that way. You know what I mean? It's like the same AI weird thing that yeah. happened. That, so. That's who you want to be associated with, the, the Kaiser Wilhelm. <laughs> uh, uh, no, we're American, thanks. Right, like, right. We're very American, just as a family name. Oh, I love it. So, well, let's talk about this. So you came out of like nowhere last year, basically. Uh, you had a rendering, you had some cool pictures and you said, yeah, you know, we're going to build this hundred mile an hour motorcycle. Uh, you know, Harley got it wrong. Let's say, you know, I'm wearing my Harley hat. I'm allowed to say that I'm literally wearing my Harley. Hat. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to be the first one to bring up. I, say, I, I know this is an audio show, but trust me, I'm, I'm in the <laughs> Harley gear, but uh, you know, your bike promised hundred miles of, I'm sorry, hundred miles an hour and 300 miles of riding. Uh, I, I was one of the first ones to say, like, this is some crazy vaporware nonsense, but sure. you guys are legit. You guys are actually building this thing. Well, I've always been of the attitude of like slow and slip, slow and steady, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. So like we've we've kind of taken our time and we came out of nowhere in 2021, but we have been sort of working on this behind the scenes of like basically doing calculations and trying to figure out, is this possible since pretty much the fall of 2019, really? Oh, wow. Um, You know, that's where the initial idea came from was in the fall of 2019. I was really sick on the couch. I used to ride (laughs) mopeds and bikes and all kinds of stuff when I was back in Pennsylvania. And I was was like, oh, man, I'd love a a new motorcycle or just a motorcycle again. Uh, But it would be electric if I was going to buy a new one. Let's see what's out there. It was, I looked at the market and it was really not great at that time. It still kind of isn't great, but at that point in time, it really wasn't great. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, could I just build one for myself? Is this possible? And Chris was is one of my oldest friends. So he immediately, I just started texting him. I was like, started sending him data and like fact sheets and like different motors and stuff. I was like, is this possible? What are we thinking here? And then eventually it just sort of organically evolved into like, let's make it, let's, let's start making these. Like we could totally do this. Like this is you know, it's not easy. I'm not trying to pass it off as like, oh, this is just such a no brainer, but we always wanted to work on something like this. I mean, we've been, we've been friends for, oh God, damn near 20 years now. And like, we've kind of always been sort of scheming about like, oh, an electric truck would be really cool. And and sort of doing like calculations and stuff going back like 10 years, you know? Um, so this was kind of a weirdly organic evolution that happened. And then in 2020, my other businesses were failing. The world was in transition. Everything was changing. Oh, yeah. And it was like, well, let's just do this full time. Like we could, we, <laughs> could do, we could, we could swing this. Like, here's the plan. Like I talked to my advisors and was like, okay, how do we raise this kind of money? What's the glide path here? Like, what are we doing? You know, is this possible? Especially where we are, like all of these considerations. And then it essentially ended up being where we, where we're at today. But, you know, it's, it seems like we came out of nowhere. We came out of stealth mode for sure. We've been out of stealth mode. I love been in the that. background. Yeah. For a now, while. I'll just say this good graphics, graphic design and good advertising is good advertising. So it's just further validation of like, we're doing the good. We're doing good. Doing you good. know, so I mean, 
that's where I come from too as like as like a history like historically that's like I've come from like film art music entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. kind of stuff so So you've done like concept art and stuff like that before for other projects uh yeah I mean I designed so the business that died in 2020 um was a magazine it was an arts and culture magazine that existed pretty much we distributed in New York and LA and we were kind of around um and it 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 was a casualty of the pandemic just because of changing advertising stuff. I mean, we were yeah. profitable, which is wild to be a print and digital publication that was actually profitable for a little while. Um, but, you know, like it, it had to go, unfortunately. Um, I will say some of that branding that you see, especially the Norton one, is all thanks to Jordan Renfro, who's our like director of design. Like he, he whipped, he, he, we, we talked about it of like, Ooh, wouldn't it be cool to do kind of like a outline for this and do this kind of thing, but he made it happen. So credit deserves with him in the final product, you know? Yeah. So, so he's the designer of, of the bike. He's so, and when I say the bike, I'm not talking about necessarily that first one that everybody saw, but the, sure. the, the, what I, what I've been calling the bagger, I think you yeah, call it the yeah. bagger as well. He calls, he calls it the bagger as well. I was so, you know, the first one was really Chris and I, when we were just, it was just us in, you know, trying to figure out how to do this. And we were looking more at the technical side of things and we had never designed bikes before. And it was mostly like just passion. Like it was pure passion. And honestly, that design kind of worked because it gave us essentially Jordan. And Jordan is a key member of the team in my mind, just because like he saw that we, we sort of connected on LinkedIn weirdly and started talking and he was immediately like right at the level with us talking about stuff. Like we just jived so well. Um, and then he came in and, and cleaned it up. I mean, he kept a lot of the DNA from the first model. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the DNA is still kind of there. Yeah, I mean, it looks similar. You've got you know. the dual motors. It has, I don't want to call sure. it a retro look because that, I think that that doesn't really do you guys justice, but sure. you've built a cruiser where, you know, zero has this kind of UJM thing. They've got this like dirt bike thing. The other players that are out there, Damon, a player, they're doing like a sport bike deal, you know, and then Harley kind of went down that same road. They did like a CB 750 kind of style bike, um, which was a big surprise, right? Because you have this heritage of these big, huge, heavy motorcycles. Wouldn't it just be so much easier to make a big, huge, heavy electric cruiser and then they decided, no, 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 we don't want to get too close to the main guys. I mean, what, what was the thinking there? You think? I think, you know what it is, is I'm going to totally speculate, but the tech is still so new and like it, it's genuinely really, I mean, as, as we are finding out more and more, and as we're seeing, it's genuinely hard to make a big bike that's electric yeah. for the range purposes, for the speed purposes, for the, the, the pretty much everything purposes. It's, it's pretty tough. I mean, that's what we, that was one of the main problems we set out to solve. And I think we're, we're, you know, in our research that we've done for a good long while here, getting very close to solving that as, as we build the prototype. But I think the thing about it is it's also just easier. Like if you're looking at it just from a, 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 like a perspective of brass tacks, it is the easier function to just be like, let's slap a a mid to smallish size motor on this thing. Let's just get, get it out, you know, on an existing frame, existing powertrain, not really innovating too much. I mean, there are companies that are doing a lot of innovative things, but, you know, a lot of it is still rooted in the idea of like, this is going to be easy and this is going to sell because it 
sort of fulfills the requirement of like speed, power, range, all of that sort of thing, and the expectations in that shell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I I hear you, but I think that that's, I mean, it, it's 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 like anything else, right? It sounds sure. easy until you try to do it. Oh, totally. And I'm not saying it's, I'm, I definitely want to make sure that it's clear. It's it, none, simple, none of, not none easy. Of, right. None of this stuff is just a walk in the park. But if you're looking at essentially trying to cut down on the massive workload of innovation in that way to, to change something and yes. do something truly new, that's their company prerogative. I mean, they've got stockholders, basically, you know, some of those companies. Right, that, right. That they, they've got, like, they can't just be like, oh, we're going to reinvent the, you know, essentially reinvent the wheel or try to over the course of five years, they would get laughed out of the room. That's partially why startups are kind of cool is that we can be flexible like that, you know? Yeah. We, well, you don't have a hundred years of, of you know, you tradition. can call it whatever you want. Well, you can call it tradition, <laughs> heritage, you can call it baggage, right? I would say baggage to- is probably the best uh, use of the word <laughs> it, it can be it can be you know but i mean it that's not something that is necessarily just subject to the motorcycle world right because you've got the automotive world where the leg we we call them here on the show legacy auto brands you've got companies like volvo that are like well maybe for the all electric instead of doing it under volvo we're going to do a new brand we'll call it polestar yep. then you've got ford saying look we're going to take all of our old names and put them into new electric cars and then you know, these, these different car companies are kind of trying different things. Like BMW has the I sub brand. Nobody sure. really knows what the right way to go is. No. And I mean, most of that, like most of any, pretty much anybody who's talking about it, I think in, in some ways is totally speculating in a lot of ways. I mean, I have my own opinions on it of like, I don't think Harley should have spun off Livewire. I think they should have kept it and they should have built association with Harley's name as an electric brand, as yeah. opposed to just being like, Ta-da, it's a new brand. It's not us really, but it kind of is, but it isn't. So, but it might be interesting because if you yeah. look at what Harley is doing and, and, you know, they now, their big thing now is they're trying to move everything into a certified used Harley program where you can go very similar to Tesla. You can go onto the Harley website, kind of figure out, oh, my dream bike was the 03 deuce with that black and silver and they'll find you one. Yeah. You know, I mean, if that's if that's the bike that traumatized you and you feel like you have to spend money on it, they totally. will find you one and sell it to you for top dollar with a brand new warranty on it. And, you know, I think that when they look at the future and they look at where is Harley going and where is the market going, they might have already figured out, look, we're not going to be able to keep selling new Harleys past 2035, but we can sell used Harleys for the next hundred years. And they'll always be in demand, basically. They'll always be in demand. The, the less there are, the more people will want them. Exactly. I mean, it makes it makes sense from that perspective. It's just unfortunate because I always had this like weird relationship with Harley where I like really wanted to like them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like I want I want them to be like, this is like a good American brand. I want them yeah. to be a mainstay, you know. We all want like- the flat tracker. I know. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, the next 10 years are totally up in the air. So <laughs> they are. <laughs> so, know. but I want to talk a little bit more about another American brand Indian because yeah. that Indian four. So the Indian four, for those of you who are not motorcycle nerds back in the 1940s, they had a big inline four cylinder engine. They lined it up kind of lengthwise on the motorcycle. Sure. And if you look at the bagger that you guys are doing, you can sort of see those vertical elements that are kind of like the cylinders mm-hmm. in that style. So, uh, you know, number one, I wonder if that's intentional. Number two, is is that 
you know, if it is intentional, have you gotten any attention from any of the trademark people? <laughs> you know, to be honest, it's the first time anybody's told us about it. Um, oh, really? And, and, yeah, you're the first person to mention it. Yes. Um, I mean, I think it's a subtle enough association where like, whatever, you know, it's, it's a, it's honestly probably more of like a, I mean, I like Indian actually a lot. Yeah, probably and, be a like, triumph uh, rocket kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, well, and I'll, so I'll tell you this though about that. Actually, you've got me thinking now. Um, uh, the the our our Jordan uh, Renfro uh, used did a brief stint at India, as a matter of fact. So interesting. He's got a lot okay. of really amazing design influences, and I feel like um, you know maybe having him on the podcast would be a good idea too at some <laughs> point down the line because the man is the man is it's a genius. Like I, I think everybody on the team is fantastic from our engineering department, Chris, the co-founder, everybody. Uh, but, you know, specifically talking about design in this particular case, he is, he is a pretty, he's a madman. I wonder, you know, again, with your bike, we have, nobody's really seen anything but renderings except for you guys, right? Like you guys know how far along you are and, you know, you guys know where your renderings are, but I mean, everything that you've so far said from your initial, uh, I, was it a Kickstarter, but your initial fundraising? We, we funder, yeah. I mean, it's a little yeah. different. It, you get equity when you invest, essentially. Okay, okay. So you get but a, you've, a, you've been hitting your, you've been hitting your marks. Like you're kind of on time from, so, from everything that I hear. Yeah, yeah, supply chain permitting. I mean, that's kind of the thing right now is that we're, we're going to see by the time, I think the next benchmark we need to hit is basically summer of mm -hmm. this year as far as prototyping and testing and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, there's, there's a, I mean, weirdly this like year, you know, since we started this campaign, we're coming up on a year probably in what, May or something like that is when we started this thing. Um, you know, in that year, there's been a lot of weird instability that was kind of unpredictable with like yeah. the, the Fed raising, wanting to raise rates now going even back further inflation and supply chain issues and all kinds of different stuff. So we're trying to keep it together. Um, I think we're I think we're fine at this point to basically hit our mark. Um, you know, I think the other thing too is that it's like this thing takes time. I think one of the the interesting things was is like last week we had a Forbes piece come out, and uh, some of the comments that I saw and it was like, well, I've just seen renders. I'm like, well, yeah, because it's still in development. It's like, what still in development, like, right? You want me to not start with renders? You want me to just write an essay about what I think a great electric bike would be? That doesn't seem like <laughs> it's going to get investment, really. You but know? don't you think that that's the fault of like American Chopper and the biker build off, where they think that these things come together in an hour? I think. I mean, I yeah, I don't know if I could fault them for that. I think it's just, um, you know. Oh, I, I always blame the commenters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah, I mean, when they're right. It's like, how dare uh, you? <laughs> I know. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's really amusing. I mean, that was the first model when that came out, there was some comments where I was like, yeah, okay. You have a point, you know, or whatever. You it know, was a little we, long. <laughs> we listened. We listened. Let's just put it that way. We listened. I mean, again, and that's, it, it was, it was great because it gave us Jordan. If we, if we'd gone a different route, we might not have yeah. found the guy. I mean, especially in the EV boom, that, that's sort of a thing. People are like, very much against any kind of vaporware and it's hard yes. because again you know you got to start somewhere we're not yeah we're not we're not trust fund kids you know we, we we're not trust fund kids and we're trying to raise money to do this thing and this is pretty much the way you know we don't have like a lot of huge connections yet we're still trying to find our way 
this is the way to do it. You know, we're going through WeFunder. We're trying to do this yeah. methodically and calculated and just try to, to go through and be as honest and transparent as possible. Like that's yeah. the goal. Like but you're getting a ton of press for, for guys that are not press people, for guys that are not media people. And I think that that speaks to the fact in not only Jordan's design, but sure. I think that speaks to the fact that people want, a, you know, a, at least in America, when we think of a motorcycle, we still think of a cruiser. Right. Sure. And people exactly. want that cruiser style. Um, yeah. so I, I want to change gears on you a little bit since we're talking about there being kind of just renderings. I, I seem to remember I was promised a, a British racing green render about three months ago. <laughs> it's it's waiting for our funds to come through, actually, as a matter of fact. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's in the that's actually in the works. Don't worry. So I want to do nice. like a, a that that may or may not for anybody who's listening. This is a great little Easter egg. If uh, that may or may not be part of the pre-order waitlist email blast when we start taking pre-orders, may oh, or may not nice. be. Who knows? That's going to be well, cool. That's going to yeah. be cool. I think people are going to like it. Well, I mean, it'd just be kind of cool. I mean, I always, I always like that stuff. I, you know, I've had some friends who have had uh, old MG midgets and some triumphs in that color too. I love that color so much. So yeah, yeah it's good we got to do that. So, you know, when, when you first came out with this and, and and even when you came out with, with the bagger and there's, there's another bike now too, right? There's the second one. It's not just the bagger. Yeah. I mean, we, what do we call that one? The roadster or something? The arrow, the arrow, the arrow. Yeah. Yeah. The silhouette. I'm I'm not going to buy that one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, so, uh, you know, in the summer of 2021, I still didn't have a motorcycle. So I was kind of like, man, I need to just get one to get back into riding in general, which also jogs some sort of, you know, awareness of like what needs to happen with this. You know, it's just healthy to have that kind of a relationship with the bike in that way. And I actually found for really pretty cheap, uh, a great 1972 BMW R50. Oh, nice. Slash five. And oh my God, I love that bike. It's, it's, small it's pretty small i mean it's 500 cc's it's not huge um it's small it's nimble it's not super fast just fast enough to get you around town and i just sort of fell in love with the form factor of it it's beefy enough to be a motorcycle it's not like a two-stroke moped which i love mopeds but it's not a two-stroke moped it's a little bit more powerful than that it can get you around town it's not cumbersome or big or too flashy it's just it's just the right amount of of motorcycle um And that kind of spurred on the arrow that I was like, okay, I also see the bagger segment for sure. That needs to be fulfilled. But then on the smaller side of things, we have the opportunity to share a lot of the components across the platform to make something that yeah. can appeal to somebody who, you know, might start on an e-bike or a powerful e-bike or a small electric moped or something mm-hmm. that wants to move up and actually be able to take this thing on like highways and stuff. Cause like, most of the small electric motorcycles that are out there, they're not highway capable, even though they're saying they are, they're not um, highway capable. Like there's, there's a few that are saying they're not highway capable that very much are. So it's funny right. to oh, see yeah. that. It's funny to see that flip. Um, I, I don't want to out the guy, but one of the, one of the guys that's been at a couple <laughs> of our shows, yeah. uh, you know, he sells it as a class three bike and he's like, you want to take one for a ride? And I was like, yeah, I'll take this one. He's like, this one's mine it's unrestricted. And he just kind of looks at me and I'm like, Oh, we'll we'll see what that means. This thing goes like 70. (laughs) Oh my God. Come on. 
on, on like basically bicycle tires. And I'm just like, I know I'm doing something stupid here. I should slow down. To us too. I mean, I, man, I look at safety as like such a, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a softy, but like I'm a little aware of the fact that like, I would like to not die. If, well, but if you go into this business as a company, you have to reckon with the fact that at some point down the line, someone's going to die on your machinery. Every company has to reckon with this. They do. They do. You but know? you have companies like, for example, Honda, and I, I have a, I have a storied, not storied, <laughs> I have a Honda, yeah. complicated <laughs> relationship with Honda as well as Harley. Yeah. But, um, you know, one of the things about Honda, and I've spoken to some of the guys, not only in Japan, but in Ohio, when they were building the gold wings out of Ohio, mm-hmm. is very similar to what you said. They know that somebody is going to die on this bike, yep. but they do everything they can to make sure it's not it's, because of the bike. Exactly. That's that's the that's the goal to strive for. It. That was literally going to be my second thing was that it's like, as we know that that's a possibility and almost an inevitability, but we have to be able to do absolutely everything else that we yeah. can, like suspension, lighting, and you just, you name it. And it's like, I, I don't necessarily see that from the rest of the industry. And I, I want to be able to pride ourselves in six months to a year on saying yeah. that we're like one of the leaders in safety technology. Like that's still a really big deal for but us. But just you know? the two wheel drive is going to help with that so much. Cause how many times exactly. has your front wheel sl- started to slide out oh, and then yeah. now you're low siding, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even if it's a, you know, on the smaller model, even on the arrow, even if it's a smaller motor, any kind of power there, it's going to help. You know yeah, what I mean? Anything at all. Be, well, now that's interesting. Thing, you know, Right. So you're, you're looking at doing a smaller motor in the front and a bigger motor in the rear. We essentially are still debating. So the first prototype is going to be sort of a hybrid between the arrow and silhouette. Uh, okay. It's going to be sort of like a, a mix in between. But the, the key here is, is that, you know, we're going to have to go into some intense testing. Yeah, um, we've got all of our options basically in front of us at this point to make the perfect match. Um, so I can't necessarily commit to one thing or the other, but we've run numbers on multiple scenarios on that. Um, but, you know, even if it does end up being, let's just say, a slightly smaller motor, it, the power there that helps with grip, that helps with absolutely everything. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about efficiency and everything going down the line, you know, it's uh, it's just a it's a big deal. <laughs> It is. It is. So we're talking about safety. So obviously that's going to be, you know, making the frame out of good materials, making sure the suspension works, making sure the braking is there, you know, so other than the componentry, is there any kind of like tech involved? Is there any kind of traction control that you guys are working on? You're laughing hysterically. So I'm assuming all that's there. There is, there is some interesting stuff we've been looking at since pretty much day one, actually, because that was, uh, you know, I, I think again, being conscious of the fact that you're making a vehicle for other people. Like if it's yeah. just for me, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm used to taking, taking my own shit for granted. Why do I need front my own things for granted? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I remember as a, you know, as a kid, like one of the first mopeds I had didn't have brakes for like a month and it was just Flintstone <laughs> brake. So I was going around corners with like wearing holes in my shoes, basically in the summer in Pennsylvania. It was awful. It terribly unsafe, but you know, I was like, eh, whatever, it gets me around. Like, and it, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It was 25. I mean, I'm, I'm, that was, uh, I, I got into the ruckus thing for a while, and mine was like, oh, yeah, my, mine was actually, it was actually a magazine bike for a while. If you ever got the, the Scooter Works catalog, that mm-hmm. giant Scooter Works catalog, 
they had that white and red one with the rising sun on the seat. That was my nice, bike. Nice. So yes, like, I remember these. I remember yeah, these. I think. And it was like yeah. long and low and like, you know, you were like sitting two inches above the ground. And I think they went 30, maybe 35, but you were an yeah. inch and a half off the ground. So it felt yeah. like you were just a rocket ship. Uh, okay. So, okay. We'll get back to some of the features here in a minute, but I got to say, man, uh, you know, no, not a lot of people know this because of course your image as a tech CEO has got to be all polished and whatnot, but I wouldn't I, know. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what they tell you, you know, that's what they're, Oh, you need to be, and I, I am, I'm a, I consider myself, you know, pretty polished, but this is an audio show. So people don't know, but you actually are wearing pants, which I think is classy. For, it is uh, true. I am yeah. I'm currently wearing pants. I, I will say this. Oh man. I used to, so one of my first bikes was a I got into French bikes, French mopeds. Oh my God. Yeah. That was my first, was a 1978 Motobucane 50V. And rebuilt that thing, redid the electrics on it, um, ended up selling it, and then had a couple of other bikes. I, when I came out to Colorado, uh, went through a really rough patch for a little bit there. And I only, in in the Colorado winter, I only had another Motobucane moped. Uh, 50 VLX, which is the rally version of the 50V. And it's a pretty cool bike, but it had knobby tires on it. So I would be riding that thing in the snow to work in the Colorado winters, which was impossible. I mean, it, you know, terrible stuff. Um, and recently with this company, I've gotten back into vintage mopeds and there are like clubs and groups. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, check out the well, moped army out there. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, Moped Army, Moped Army, which is, you know, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the one. Oh yeah. If we, well, and there's a, there's a group in Denver called syndicates is great. So nice. they'll be happy. I mentioned them, but there's, they're everywhere. And it's, it's just a nice community in that way. But yeah, no, I had, uh, I had a, some of the older, uh, Honda trails and I had a Tomos <laughs> at one point. So I, I, I know the, Oh, you had a Tomos. Oh, dude. Uh-oh. I Uh-oh. had, I know it's so embarrassing. Fun of you, rabbit. <laughs> make fun of whoever you want actually i mean actually i i do i actually have come around to tomos this is getting really pedantic i've come around to tomos because the moped guys who are listening to this are going to be so excited they're freaking out what Uh, else should we say vespa chow ah chow chow yeah nice yeah i think he's trying to get rid of it if you want it it's (laughs) it's got some carb troubles uh this is the thing about old stuff like i love it but there's also a moment where i was working on the bmw the other day and i was kind of it won't start i've got to take it apart again and i'm kind of like i love it but man am i looking forward to not necessarily an electric one to not having to do all of this if i can do a little bit of maintenance every once in a while and feel Mm -hmm. like ownership over it whatnot great but getting, you know, underneath it, oil on my face and stuff. Yeah. I'm like trying to. But just, this is an interesting you know. thing about motorcycles, right? Because people look at it and they talk about like Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Sure. And, you yeah. know, the idea of putting your hands on the bike and working on it. We haven't talked about accessories for your bike, personalization mm. for your bike. But I, I know yep. I know you from talking to you. Yeah. That this is something that you understand fully and that you understand that you know, your, your customers are going to want to have their stamp on their bike. So yep. what kind of things are you looking at to try to kind of allow that, right? Are you looking to like 
yeah. maybe make it sort of so that like universal windshields and saddlebags will fit on it or are you looking to make oh, some man. of your own i wish i could say more there's so much with uh like with jordan that we've talked about like chris jordan and i have talked about as far as fairings are concerned now let me let me let me backtrack for just one moment there are tons of there's a lot but the 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 sort of weird problem here is that with electric stuff you basically have to really get creative about customize, customizing, personalizing certain things. Because it's not like you have, even on a moped, you almost have more than on like some motorcycles because you can yeah. switch up carbs and you can get, you can get like really nitty gritty with exhausts and tires and suspension. And there's just all of these different elements that can then become a unified expression of you, which right. makes it really beautiful, right? So whenever you see this custom modded motorcycle or moped or car or whatever, I used to, I used to kind of, you know, if it wasn't my style, I'd be like, Oh, that's tacky. But as I grew older, you know, I realized, Oh, this is just an expression of who they are. Like right. they are tacky people. people. Well, <laughs> it, it is, yeah. I mean, if it's whatever it is, but it's like, this is fully them. Like if it is, yes. If it's that niche where like everybody else thinks it's tacky, they're sort of doing it right because it's totally them. Like it's wow. 100% them. And what a great statement. See what I mean? Like it's not for me. It's not for everybody else. It's for them. And it's and like, it's okay. Just for them. And the fact yeah. that nobody else gets it makes it yeah. even more perfect for them. That kind of pure individualism is in a way admirable. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not easy to do. Like, I think it was the other day I was walking downtown and I saw a giant chopper that was pink and purple with a beautiful paint job, extended long handlebars, the whole, you know, really tricked out. And I was like, I would never, ever ride that. But again, like we just said, you know, I would never have ride that, but it's not for me. It doesn't have to be for me. Right. And, and there's that you know, sense of like, and, and and I say this as someone who can pass for a fat Midwestern American white oh, man. <laughs> like there is this sense of like personal offense if somebody builds something that is not for you, right? Like, ah, oh, that bike sucks. That car sucks. It's like, well, but it's not for you. And it's right. awesome for people who love it. So yeah. I, I think that that's something. And, and, you know, I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I do want to touch on this. I don't know anybody. And I've shown this to a lot of people. I've shown your bike to my friends i've shown you i have sat in a, a meeting with harley execs and your bike oh no <laughs> yeah i printed it up and i've like held up your bike like look at this oh no and nice. everybody likes your bike Aww, so how did you yeah how did you so you went from a first the first bike that was very polarizing yes i guess you're just going to talk about your designer again and how how talented he is well, we collaborated. I mean, it was still, you know, I mean, <laughs> now, we, now still, we want credit. Well, no, no, no. I mean, you know, it was it was a group effort. He really he brought he brought in the years of experience that it takes to yeah. do that. Right. Like he brought in industry knowledge, which right, right. Chris and to make I make it look real to make to it make, look like. Right. This exactly. is going to happen. Right, right, right. We, it's still it's still out there. It's still pretty, you know, by all accounts and measures of what everybody else is doing. He's pretty weird looking, but ah. to, to us, we were like, wow, this is, wow, this is great. We just fell in love with it immediately. He, he sent us a couple of iterations of like, okay, this is, this is one yeah. avenue. This is the other. And we kind of just worked with together, you know, all three of us to, to, to sort of do it. 
And uh, I mean, of course, he deserves a you know huge amount of credit. But it was you know it was sort of it was one of those things where um, I think we just we just wanted to make something that uh, really excited people. And we yeah. what the sort of the input that we would give Jordan to is not necessarily just reference photos or whatever. We had long, intense talks. And I think this is really important when you're designing something with a good designer. We had long, intense talks about the philosophy of what this thing was supposed to do. And like what we just talked about with like customization and stuff, I feel like talking about the, the understanding and the details of where our mind is at gives you a way better idea than me being like, well, I don't know, maybe fairings, maybe this, who knows? You know, it's kind of like one of those things that's up in the air. But Instead, I can say, look, this is what our sort of philosophy is, and this is what's guiding us. This is what's probably going to come out of that. And that's essentially what we started with Jordan. We were like, this, this is kind of what we want to want to convey. This is what we want to we thinking, you know, in this way. We got feedback from him. Some of our advisors incorporated that. And that design sort of showed up, you know, through his. So slick. I, if you yeah. do a fairing, if, if anything I say to you sticks, I really want this thing to look like a Raymond Lowy streamliner locomotive. There, there are, <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you about this in private, uh, but to keep the listeners going, but dude, there is some cool stuff we're throwing around in, internally that uh, resonates with that a little bit. It's awesome. I mean, you know how I'll, I'll drop another, I'll drop one hint for that is that it's like, you know, the R18, the BMW R18 that's out Mm -hmm. there's the continental or intercontinental version or whatever they're calling it. And then there's the sort of street version. And that's kind of a, a pretty predictable glide path that I think we would go on. Although again, there are going to be other ways that we want to pioneer or try and push towards as far as customization that go beyond just aesthetics and go into the engineering of it. So if there are ways to do this without screwing over our customers with added costs, like a Tesla, would do <laughs> yeah but you know what though you know? honestly if it's an added cost that has value exactly then it, it doesn't matter value. if it's an it added value, value mm -hmm. then it, it is what it is it costs what it costs exactly. it's just you know it, just don't make it like you know full self-driving where you pay 10 grand and then they take it away right well the, the on off switch thing is what bugs the crap out of me with that is that they can like turn it off when the car gets resold and then charge again for it to be turned back on like that yeah sort of that's, that, bugs, uh, that bugs me well you know mercedes is doing that now too with their i know it's it bugs me not because it isn't brilliant it's it's brilliant in a capitalist way and i'm like it's I'm brilliant like, in a capitalist way so like yeah i'm in this like really weird place in my life where like yeah, I understand capitalism. Yeah, and when someone is really good at capitalism, I'm like, oh, you got it. But like, I also hate me. capitalism. I mean, it, it kind of hurts me from a consumer side of things because I mean, the the counterbalance from from you know unfettered capitalism is always going to be some kind of consumer protections. And like, as much as I am a CEO, I'm also somebody who consumes products, so I kind of have to play both sides here. And right. especially as somebody who's riding the bikes, I mean, I'm. I want to be a team player. You know what I mean? I want right. to be, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily just be like, oh, I need a pool. <laughs> you yeah, know? Well, you know, that actually, that could be, a, that could be an option. You get serial number zero, zero one. <laughs> that could be Anthony's pool. <laughs> Anthony's pool. This is my pool. Yeah, exactly. But, All right, man. Well, listen, I, we're coming to the end of our, uh, of our time contract here, which is, which is a great term I picked up from this guy. Lucas. <laughs> Such a good term. Like this is our time contract. Sure. Um, 
I love that guy. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Uh, But you know, thank you. Number one for coming on the show, for giving me your attention and uh, just kind of being a cool guy to talk to over the last couple of years that that we've been talking to each other. So, um, you know, if you could say anything to the kind of people out there that are following along with your story, that are, that are seeing what you're seeing. And and even like, I haven't seen much, but I kind of feel like I I know uh, that I have a good sense of it. You know, sure. how can people follow along? How can they support what you're doing? How can they, you know, give totally. you guys a thumbs up? Well, I, I'll say this. I think the easiest way to do so is probably going to be the newsletter, um, just because it's also, it's nice because it's a thing that we control. I don't love Instagram. I don't love Facebook. I don't love the the ways in which we don't really control any of that data that we have or have access to that or have to pay to essentially reach people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at, at the very least once a quarter, really more like three or four times a quarter, we're sending out stuff via our newsletter, follow us along there. That's going to be the easiest way to do it. Um, and, and of for course, that so we go to zizermotors.com. Yep. Zizermotors.com. And if you're interested in a bike, uh, if, if you want more information on it at the very least, there is a pre-order wait list right now, since pre-orders aren't open yet, they will be very soon. But if you're just interested in more information, sign up for that as well. Um, but, you know, again, I think it's one of those things, where the WeFunder is actually also still live until April. So that's also on our website. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I yeah, wasn't aware of that because I thought, because you hit your goal months ago. Totally, yeah, we hit it, but we, we decided we... You know, it was going to actually close in December, but we decided to just keep it open for, you know, in case more interest builds or anything else comes in, we were like, well, we'll just keep it open. It doesn't hurt us to keep it open a little longer um, as we get started on the the prototype. Um, And those updates should start flowing in pretty soon. Um, So you're going to be able to see that. We'll be posting on socials and whatnot. Yeah. Um, And I signed up for the newsletter while we were talking. Oh, perfect. If you guys heard that clicky click, that's what that was about. (laughs) Nice. Perfect. Well, and yeah, I mean, again, slow and steady wins the race. That's kind of the thing. And we're not slow, but we're steady and we (laughs) want to make sure that we're calculated. You know, you're you're doing really well in your CEO job. You're doing a great job because you're like slow and steady, but also fast, but not too fast. But I know. safe, but you I, want that element of danger. Can you can you tell can you tell that I'm like I'm I'm a pretty fast talker and get ahead of myself half the time? Yeah, ah, you're doing a great job, man. <laughs> Listen, uh, all, best of luck to you, man. Like I, all the success that you guys have had and will have, uh, you know, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And uh, uh, thanks, you man. Know, I'm sure the other guys are okay too. Yeah, they're great. They're <laughs> no, they're yeah, they're they're fantastic. They're good guys. And um, honestly, let me know if uh, uh, you know, we'll try and get Jordan up in here one of these days. So if we get James on there, we get your guy on there. Um, I got a good friend yeah. of mine. Uh, that, that's an old GM guy that I'm going to try to get on and, and maybe do like a round table thing. I think that'd be great. Oh yeah. He would be, he would be stoked to do that for sure. I'll, awesome. Uh, just, just hit me up. But anyway, is that, is that the end of the, is this the end? Yeah. I think we just typically say like, yeah, this is the end. And then it fades out. And then there's like a, there's like a thing. Oh, perfect. Thanks for listening to the Electrify News Podcast brought to you by the Electrify Expo coming to five major cities in 2022. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all the latest in e-mobility news and updates. Thanks for listening to the Electrify Podcast. Brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at Electrify TV. And follow along on social media for daily clips and more.